when I look back um, on past relationships, um, and I'm just talking about the people that I've dealt with, I'm incredibly embarrassed by some of my behavior. Um, there, there's so many times that I can um, look back to moments where, with people that um, I, I bullied, that I mistreated, um, that I used and, and abused, that, that quite honestly, that I leveraged for my, my own personal gain, um, right? I, I did things that I'm not proud of um, because in all of that, they were not a concern of mine. Um, their feelings, their emotions, uh, they, they weren't even on my radar. And in those moments, the thing that I was most concerned about um, that I focused on the most was satisfying and, and servicing my own needs, whatever those may have been at the time. And um, it, it's just not what we're called to. The way I, I deal with people, though, um, over time has changed. I would like to say that I'm perfect, but many of you know me far too well um, that you, you'd call that lie out in a heartbeat, right? Because I still am broken. There's still times where I'm short-tempered and there's still times uh, where I don't... Um, operate in a way that, that reveals I'm very concerned about anybody but myself. But, but now that, that I've begun to grow and develop and um, lean into what God has for me, I've arrived at a place where I now at least know that that's not okay. I used to justify it. I used to, to justify all of my behaviors and, and all the things I did, especially the way that I treated people. I, I viewed them as stepping stones and tools again, to accomplish whatever um, I happen to be doing at the moment. Um, and it's, again, it's not something I'm proud of, but I know in this season of life that it's something that, that must change, right? That, that has to um, grow and has to evolve. Um, tonight, we're going to continue our Same God series, and we're going to be talking about transformed relationships. And if you missed the past few weeks, I want to encourage you to go back and take a look at them. And the things we've been talking about is that as we encounter the gospel, the good news, the message of Jesus, which is what um, we're pushing around here, if you haven't figured it out, that Cedar Point Recovery um, is, is solely based and focused on Christ-centered recovery. We started with that message that, that Jesus encounters us. And then through that, through that encounter, we, we talked about how he transforms our mind, right? Um, that he begins, we renew our mind, and through our mind, we re renew our actions, and, and through that, our desires begin to change, and then um, our lives begin to change, right? Over time, it's this process uh, of sanctification, and, and God does tremendous works in us. And tonight, We'll talk about relationships. And next week, I want to talk about your, your purpose. But I want to spend some time again on relationships. And I'm not talking about uh, marriage. I'm not talking about dating. I'm not talking about um, the intimacy um, in, in that way whatsoever. I'm talking about the way that we deal with each other. Um, because if we can't do this right, um, we can't do anything else right. You can't be married. You can't date. You, you have no business doing that if you don't know how to handle just the people in your day-to-day -day life. And so I want to spend some time starting there. I want to see what God's word has to say about it. And I'm going to be um, exclusively in 1 John. Um, 1 John's towards the end of your Bible. There's three different letters. Um, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Imagine that. Um, there's also the Gospel John. Um, theologians believe they were all written by the same person, one of Jesus' disciples named John, um, right? 
right? Um, and uh, he, he's incredibly interesting in just his, his encounter with Jesus as the Messiah. And some believe that he was actually probably Jesus's cousin, which is some other crazy thing. But, but he didn't start off as the John that we know and love today. Um, he started off as somebody who was broken, right? As everybody starts off who hasn't had that encounter with Jesus. And John... He was somebody um, early on who was known as one of the sons of thunder. He was aggressive. Um, Quite frankly, he was a little bit racist. Um, He was was angry and kind of hot-headed. And and when we look at Luke 9.51, we get this picture of kind of how he was. It says, as the time drew near... Um, for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his re- arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, we should call down fire from heaven to burn them up. Like that, that's, his re- that's his reply in his heart. Oh, Jesus, they rejected you. Let's kill them all. Genocide, anybody? I mean, just that, that was the kind of hot head that he had. And, and I can relate. You know, I've been to Walmart. I've wanted to rain down fire on people myself, right? We've all been there. And this is John, but that's not how John stayed, right? He, he had an encounter over time. And over time, God transformed him into a, in a way that he was no longer one of the sons of thunder. Um, he became John the disciple that Jesus loved, he became the disciple of love. And actually in 1 John, just in 1 John, which isn't very long, he mentions love over 50 times. And so 1 John chapter 2, verse 7 is where I want to start tonight. And he says this, dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it's an old one you've heard from the very beginning. This old commandment to love one another It's the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. And so before Jesus, you know, love was talked about, God's love in the Old Testament. Um, and, and they had this kind of view of love that was distorted. Um, it was very much uh, reciprocal in a way, right? It was not um, ever really one-sided. It was give and take, kind of debt debtor, um, right? God will love us if we um, make all the atoning sacrifices we need to make, and then we'll experience God's love. And, and they dealt with people in a broken way too. And actually, culture in this time was horrendous, looks completely different than anything that we can imagine. You know, it wasn't uncommon um, during this period for Romans to to leave unwanted children out just to die in the weather because they just were, just weren't going to fit, right? Maybe it was a girl and they really wanted a boy or or maybe um, there was some type of deformity or or something like that. And and women were viewed as property and and slavery um, was common practice, right? And and humans' rights was non-existent. Um, but, But Jesus came and he changed that. And so John's saying, hey, this is not something new, but it's new, right? This is the command from the beginning, but you misunderstood, you didn't grasp the concept. And the same thing happens to us today because we come in and we say God's love, but we've defined love and we take our definition of love and then we determine who God is based off of that. And even today we miss it. That I want to present something that's old, 
but hopefully new at the same time that begins to open your eyes and illuminate the possibilities of what Jesus has come to do today in your lives. He says, Jesus lived the truth of this commandment and you are also living it for the darkness is disappearing and true light is already shining. You know, Jesus changed culture. Uh, he introduced women's rights in a broken society. You know, when Jesus came on the scene and started talking about husbands love your wives, we hear that today and it's like, yeah, of course, if I don't, she might hurt me. Um, in Jesus' time, women were property. Like that, that wasn't a concept. And, and so he comes on and, and Jesus, he treated women with dignity, respect, pure love, and it stood in dark contrast to the society at that time. He did it to the detriment of his own reputation. He loved even when it made him look bad. The establishment of that time, religious leaders, they didn't look at the way that Jesus treated women as something positive. They looked at it as something to scorn. And even in the face of adversity, even in the face of a broken culture, Jesus continued to push back and said, no, I'm gonna stand for what's right. I'm gonna stand for what's love. He, he brought about human rights. You know, today in America, we consider human rights um, to just be basic. And in fact, we've, we've taken um, human rights to a whole another place that encompasses things that aren't even rights. Um, but that wasn't always the case. Uh, the idea that all humans should be treated with dignity was extremely rare uh, before Christianity stepped on the scene. That dignity was based off of your race. You know, were you born into the right family? Um, did you have the right status? Did you make the right amount of money? The whole concept that we have here in America that you can start from, from any race, any neighborhood, any position and um, be raised up to any place of wealth or authority um, was not something that took place during his time. Um, and then humanitarian aid, caring for the poor and needy has been a part of our faith from the beginning. And, and when Jesus stepped on, that, that wasn't something that, that took place. That, that wasn't common practice. Uh, that wasn't how the culture operated. You know, a recent study has shown that up to 75% of all charitable donations, that's today, in the U.S. are motivated by faith. Christians send missionaries and volunteers all over the world to minister to people's needs. That, that this same legacy of love that Jesus started, it shifted an entire worldview, an entire culture. And when we look at our, our America today, even though so many don't follow God, they still set their moral compass according to his word and his standard. And so John said, hey, I've got something that's old but it's brand new. It's more challenging than you can imagine. The call is greater and more profound than you realize. I'm calling you to love all people. He says this in chapter three, verse 11, this message you have heard from the beginning, we should love one another. We should love one another. And so tonight I wanna present three things to you um, that I hope challenge your view of relationships. And we're gonna start off in, in 1 John chapter four, uh, verse seven. And he continues um, a little later on. He says, dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. 
Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, I do want to state that when we read that, we have such a broken view of love, right? Um, we confuse lust and love all the time. Um, I, I use the same word, um, love, that I have for my wife. You know, Janelle, honey, I love you. Um, but you know what? I love cheeseburgers too, right? Um, and, and so we have, we have this broken view. Now, obviously, there's, there's a difference there. But even from my concept of love, even your concept of love, that the love that God talks about is so much deeper and, and so much more pure. And we have to begin to shift our focus in, in the lens through which we, we view it. And he says, love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Love is not God. God is love. God defines its truth. God defines its breadth, its width, its depth. God defines love. The standard operating procedure in every relationship should be love. Point number one is this. Love should be a standard in every relationship. Love should be a standard in every relationship. I'm not talking again about, you know, Barry White music and candles in a hot tub, right? I'm talking about God's definition of love, selfless love, sacrificial love, unending love, in spite of brokenness, in spite of flaws, that it should be a standard in every relationship. And I'm not talking about your spouse, your girlfriend, your boyfriend. I'm talking about the people in this room that if we have hatred in our heart, you don't know God. If there's somebody in this room that you look at and you despise them, you don't know God. God's love, it breaks every barrier, every, every bit of brokenness. It should be the standard, again, in every relationship. He says this in verse nine, he said, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. John begins to reveal it. It's not, it's not that we loved God, it's that he loved us. And when we begin to look at that, that means me, the, the dope sick guy in the bathtub, God loved me. And if that's the definition I'm going off of, when my wife says something I don't agree with, I don't get to dispose of the love I should have for. That means when I encounter one of you and maybe you're deceptive with me or do something I think you shouldn't do, doesn't mean I get to toss it out the window because God showed up in the middle of my sin, in the middle of my brokenness, right? When I was so far from him and so undeserving, he sent his son Jesus to define love and to save me. And that's the standard operating procedure that we should have in every relationship. Every single one of us that we deal with, that's the lens through which we should view it. That if God loved me in my brokenness, if God loved me in my mess, if God loved me in spite of all my flaws, in spite of my distance that I endeavored to put between me and him, if God loved me in that, I have no choice but to love those around me. Again, point number one, love should be the standard in every relationship. Let's look at verse 11 as we continue. He goes, dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one 
has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. I love that verse. Um, it's something I've, I've meditated on several times. I mean, God's love brought it in fullness in me. Well, what could that possibly mean? And when I think about it, it's God's love is, is complete when I begin to express it to others, right? That, that it's fallen void. If I, if I take God's love and I hold on to it, it hasn't completed the extent of its purpose through me, right? That I've, I've been selfish with it, that I've, I've held on to it in such a way that, that I haven't allowed it to complete its mission. It has to come full circle. If it doesn't, then it's not a full expression. And again, when we read that, no one has ever seen God. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, God lives in us and his love's brought in full expression. That tells me that, that no one's ever seen God, but I can reveal God to them in the way that I live, the way that I operate. And point number two is this. Our relationships should reveal God to all those involved. God's love's brought in full expression in me when I love my wife when she doesn't deserve it. And the same is true when, when she loves me when I don't deserve it, right? Not just in the good times, but in the difficulty. God's love's brought to full expression when we journey together, when we share our brokenness, when we don't condemn or, or judge or persecute, but we lift each other up. Maybe that's sharing hard truths, Maybe that's being direct and, and saying things that the other people don't want to hear, but we do so in love. It's, again, it's, it's bringing it to, to fullness. I've said this before, but I want to say it again. We should want to live our lives in a way that those that don't know God want to know God because they see the way that we act, because we see the way that we treat them and love them and care for them. Um, many years ago, my younger brother, he was... Uh, he was an atheist. Again, we weren't raised in the church and we kind of knew a little bit about the church and God. And as we became adults, you know, there was a lot of confusion and, and he just reconciled that. It's not for me. I, I don't believe. Um, but some time went on and, and I encountered Jesus and um, I was a terrible person. I say that all the time. <laughs> and, and not many got to, to witness, not many here have witnessed um, how selfish and self-centered I was. Um, but my brother was one that did, and I didn't treat him right. But over some time, I remember he made a comment to somebody that will always resonate with me. And, and he said, um, I, I'm not sure if God's real, but I know what's taking place in my brother's life is. Man, <clears throat> that's, that's the way that we should live and operate, right? In, in a way that completely causes people to stop in their tracks and question what they believe, what they hold true. And, you know, a couple years later, a couple years ago, um, you know, I had the opportunity to baptize my brother here. And had I continued to, to be who I used to be and, and not allow God's love to come to full expression in me, I don't know that my brother ever would have sought it. I think things would have fallen short. And I, I don't want to say that it was all the way that I lived, but I think God takes each of us just as much as he can, whatever measure he can get from us, and he leverages it in people's lives. And I know that 
just the changes in the way that I dealt with people changed, changed him, it impacted him, it played a small role in his life in the transformation that God did. And so again, our relationships should reveal God to those involved. And I just want you to ask yourself, the way you treat the server at Chili's, would they know that you love Jesus? The way that you deal with your kid's teacher, do they walk away from those conversations and realize that you're a son or daughter of the Most High? The way that you deal with people on the road, your family members, do they walk away with that clarity of they follow God? They, they love Jesus. The way you talk, the way you act, does it reveal God to those that don't know him? And more importantly, does it cause those that don't know him to want to know him? We, we've all walked out of dark things and broken past. Doesn't mean we stay there. We have an opportunity to change everybody's view of what's possible, but we've got to lean into the love of God. Our relationships should reveal God to all those involved. Verse 13, it says this, and God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the father sent his son to be the savior of the world. All who declare that Jesus is the son of God have God living in them and they live in God and we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love and all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment and it shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. We love each other because he loved us first. Point number three is this. God determines how we handle others, not their brokenness. We love because he loved. What, what a shift in the way that I used to deal with people, right? It's what have they done for me, right? Do they owe me? I ain't doing anything for somebody who owes me, right? If they talked about me before, slandered me, went behind my back, cheated me, abused me, right? That, that, that was the measure at which I handled all of my relationships. And I'd like to say I'm completely healed of that, but there's times I fall right back into that. But I gotta remind myself, I love because he loved. I love because he loved. He loved me. And so when I handle people, that's the measure. That, that's the lens. When I look at somebody, I have to remember, doesn't matter what they've done. I'm gonna love because God loved me and I didn't deserve it. God saved me and I didn't deserve to be saved. He moved in my life and, and I, I didn't earn that. I couldn't earn that. I don't deserve any of that. And if God did that for me, I must do that for others. That, that's the shift in a transformed relationship. That, that my wife doesn't earn a thing from me. 
I pour out my love because God's called me to. None of you have to earn a thing from me. I want to show up when possible. I want to serve you, and I want to love you to the best of my ability. I do. I'm not saying I'm great at it all the time, but that's, that's my desire. That's the desire we should all have. When we look around this room and we look at the people to our left and to our right, we should love because God loved us in spite of their flaws, in spite of their brokenness. We love each other because he loved us first. Verse 20 and 21, it says, if someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. I'm gonna say that again. If someone says, I love God, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a liar. If we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must, say must, must also love their fellow believers. It's not what the world says. It spits in the face of culture. It's not something that other people look at and probably agree with. But it's a command from God. It's, it's his desire for our life. It's his desire for our relationships. That in spite of what anyone else has done, we operate in love. Just imagine how different the world would be if we canceled each other's debts. Imagine how different your relationship would be with your wife, with your husband, if you looked at them and said, I forgive you of everything, and I just wanna love you how God has called me to love you. If we looked at our, our family members, maybe your mother, your father, you've got legitimate wounds, he said, I'm gonna choose to love you, not because you deserve it, but because God loved me, I'm gonna love you. Relationships, friends, what a, what a change that would make. What a shift in culture we would experience if we pursued this pure love, the love of God. I want us to do this, uh, just right where you're at. I want you to, to close your eyes. I want you to begin to spend a moment with God and. I want you to, to ask him, are there any people that you're dealing with that, that you've missed this? Maybe it's, again, your spouse. Maybe it's friends, some other family members, coworkers, neighbor. You know, the neighbor that never mows his lawn or maybe the neighbor that mows his lawn too much and makes you feel like you gotta mow yours. Whatever it may be, just begin to look at those places. Have you failed at this? Is there a relationship that God's saying, I want to transform that. I want to change that. I want to give you something better than you've ever experienced if you just love. God, I thank you. I thank you that we're able to experience your love and your grace and your mercy. God, that, that we were able to encounter it in a way that it transformed our lives. 
God, that it redeemed us, that it lifted us up, that it mended brokenness. Father, I thank you that you poured it out upon each of us without asking anything in return. And Lord, as we receive that, I pray, Father, that you would give us the strength, the courage, and the desire, God, to bring that love to full expression by pouring it out on those around us. Lord, especially those who have hurt us, especially those who don't deserve it. God, allow us to love them, to care for them, just as you do. And I thank you, God, that as we do this, Lord, you bring about, you bring about great things and healing in our own lives that you continue to move. Lord, thank you for allowing us to play such a trivial, such a great role in what you do in our world. Lord, help us to, help us to shift culture. And I thank you, Father, for all of this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, <clears throat> so what's the application, uh, right? We, we want to be more than just hearers of the word. We want to be doers of the word, right? It, it can't fall on deaf ears. It's, it's up to us to, to take the things that God reveals to us into uh, tomorrow, right? Into the rest of the week. And so um, to help with that, we've got some action steps, some homework. Um, I know you guys don't like homework. I know some of you dropped out of school, Adam. No, 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 no. No, I'm just, I did too, I did too, I didn't, I, I, can, I can make fun of people because I didn't graduate either, you know. Uh, um, number one is this, uh, evaluate the way that you deal with people in your life. Um, you know, so often the action steps that I throw up there, if you guys notice, it starts with evaluation. You, you have to look in the mirror, you got to determine where you're missing it. People probably have been telling you your whole life, you don't listen to them, right, you're dense, it's, it's up to you to do that, right? To say, I, I kind of suck right here in the way that I deal with people. So evaluate the way you deal with people in your life. Number two, determine if you act from a place of love or selfishness. What's your motive? Um, God knows your heart. I don't. You do, right? So evaluate the way you deal with people. Is it, is it love or selfishness? Number three, work to bring any relationships that are out of balance under the authority of God. Maybe you've got unforgiveness, hatred, bitterness, whatever you wanna call it, but you know, I don't love this person. Bring it under the authority of God. I want you to know this. Um, I'm not saying you need to trust them. I'm not saying you need to give them access to things if someone's hurt you, um, but you, you're not justified in having hatred in your heart towards anyone. There's no justification. And God loves clear. You hate a fellow believer and claim to love God. You're wrong. You're a liar. And number four, remove any detrimental relationships from your life. Sometimes things are toxic. Sometimes we've got to cut out the, the cancer, you know, prune, prune the dead leaves, you know, deal with it. There may be relationships that you look at that you've got to say, I'm going to love this person, but I'm going to do so from a distance. And so begin to evaluate. Allow God to transform your relationships. Allow God to move in your lives. 
And so all of this, everything we talk about, um, it, it starts with a relationship with Jesus, right? We're Christ-centered recovery program because our problem sin, only God can deal with that and he can only deal with it through Jesus. And so if you're in here tonight and you've never made him Lord of your life, that's where it begins. And so that's by realizing you can't save yourself, you can't change yourself, that only God can. Realizing that you need him to save you and to set you free by admitting that he... He is the Savior. I confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you shall be saved. And so we realize we can't save ourselves. We, we realize that God can and we ask him to save us and to forgive us and to live inside of us. So if that's you, you wanna make that decision tonight, the greatest decision. Here in just a moment, we're gonna have some people down front. They would love to pray with you and for you so that they can take place. Um, number two, maybe you've done that, but you've gotten off track. You've missed it, you've messed up. You've gotten so far from him and you just want to know, can I recommit? Absolutely. Here in just a moment, our same offer stands. We're going to have some people down front. They would love to pray with you and for you so you can recommit tonight. And then maybe you just have something you need to let go of. Maybe it's a, a messed up relationship. Maybe it's bitterness, baggage, a scorecard. Right? You've been carrying it around and saying, I'll love them when they've earned it. Whatever it is, if it's time to set it down, I want to encourage you to come pick up a white chip. It's just a piece of plastic. There's nothing special or significant about it, but there's something significant about when we act out in faith, knowing that God's going to move. And so I want to encourage you, if that's you, to come pick up a white chip. And lastly, maybe you just need prayer. So if you're in here tonight, you just want somebody to pray with you, I want to encourage you to come down front and join us. And so for any of those things, to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, to recommit, to pick up a white chip, or just to receive prayer, we wanna encourage you to come down front and join us. And if everybody would, if you'd stand to your feet as we close in worship.